Acts chapter 10. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment, a devout man, one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. Now, does it sound like Cornelius was a religious man? Raise your hand if you think he was. Two, two, thank you, two, thank you so much. Can you turn my sound up? I think everybody has a hard time hearing what I'm saying. Am I in the right church? How many of you think that Cornelius was a religious guy? Right? Now, he was a good guy. He was a good guy. The mobsters will say this is a good fellow. He's a good guy. He did everything right. But he was a Gentile. He wasn't a Jewish individual. He wasn't an Israelite. He was a Gentile. So the dispensation of, you know, the kingdom of God, the grace of God had begun and was poured out on the Israelites. But now God was fixing to cross over barriers. And now he was going to make one body out of two nations. And so the scripture says, verse 3, and about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming and saying to him, Cornelius, when he observed him, he was afraid and he said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. In other words, your prayer life and your consistency in prayer, when you do enough of it and been consistent with it, God can't ignore it. No matter who you are, no matter where you're at, prayer works and God answers. But notice right here, he was just praying. He didn't say what he was praying for, but listen to what he tells him. Your prayers and your alms have come up before me as a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and send for Peter, whose surname is Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon a tanner whose house is by the sea, he will tell you what you must do. Now, there was more that God had for Cornelius. Cornelius, it didn't say Cornelius was asking, Lord, what I do? Is there more for me? It didn't say anything about him asking these questions. What it says is, while he was praying and living his life, God visited him because it came up before him, and he said, there's a man that's hungry. There's a man that I've called. There's a man that I'm going to gift with instruction. You see... The key to this is understanding we miss out if we don't pray. Because somewhere the next day, the scripture says that he sent these men to go to Peter's house where he was staying. And the scripture says these men get there and they tell Peter about Cornelius being a good man, a devout man. He's built synagogues, a Gentile under Roman authority and government built synagogues for God and God's people. He loved God's people. No matter how good you are, God has more. No matter how good you are, God has more. So Peter now goes to his house. And the scripture says that he begins to preach and teach 
and the Spirit of God begins to fall on them while he is speaking. He's talking to him about Jesus. He's talking about the kingdom of God, which when you study the Bible, the good news in the gospel was the kingdom of God. And so it says, Acts chapter 10, verse 44, here's the last portion of scripture. While Peter was yet speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision, mean the Jewish people who believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out, also, out on the Gentiles also. For they heard, how do they know? For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. What? Turn to somebody and tell them it's one of those churches. Be careful. <laughs> but we heard, they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, he said, can anyone forbid water? I mean, we can't deny the next step. We know what has to happen. I mean, this is the man who was under the direction and mentored by Jesus Christ himself, who, great, who gave the great commission and told everybody, go out and make disciples of all nations. And told them about water baptism and told them about the promise of the Father. If you want to know what Jesus believed, you have to receive what the apostles taught. They were good students who can forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. How did they receive it? Read Acts chapter 2 to all of our students. Acts chapter 2 says when the day of Pentecost had come, the Spirit of God fell on all of them and they all what? How many knows the answer to the question? What did they all do at one time when they were seeking God on that day? The Spirit of God fell down on them. Each and all of them were what? Say it out loud. Don't be ashamed. Say it out loud. They were baptized in the Spirit, and that happened to them. So he says they have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay around a few days because he was a good preacher. I'm going to give you a very bold and different title today. Today we're going to be talking about why everyone should receive and needs the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Why everyone needs the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We believe it's not a want, it's a necessity for life. We teach it to our children, we teach it to our friends, we teach it to everyone, because it is for everyone. And God said he would pour his spirit out on all flesh. And when you study the Bible, it's deeper than what you think. And if you want to know the rest, come on a Saturday in a workshop and I'll teach you. That's a good commercial right there. Don't, I, I, my opinion doesn't matter. What matters is, is what the Word of God says. Are you ready for the Word of God? Thank you for being patient. Someone say, Father, in Jesus' name, bless this moment. 
Let me have discernment, understand it, God. I prayed, Lord, let me give it with love, understanding, simplicity, and bless every soul that's here, God, in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. Now give the Lord a hand clap and say, Lord, thank you ahead of time. In Jesus' name, you can be seated. God bless you. For time's sake, I'm going to give you the first point and begin to build off of that. God always has more for us. God always has more for us. God did not save us to become religious. God also did not save you because you were good. No matter how good you are, it doesn't make God love you more. The love that God has for you is ultimately expressed from Calvary. He loved us so much that he sent his only begotten son into the world, that whoever believes in him shall be saved. And that salvation begins upon repentance. But salvation is a continual process. It's not a one-time thing. It's a continual thing. God did not save us so we can date him. Right? God is not your boyfriend. We are in covenant with him, just like you are in covenant with your spouse if you're married. When you put a ring on it, it meant something, right? Do you remember your vows? Do I have to repeat your vows? Okay, are you, anyone married here? Thank you. Here we go. You ready? This is one of them holler back churches, man. You can holler back. Yeah, if you go to games and you get crazy in the game and act a fool, spill your popcorn and drinks, you can get crazy in church too, okay? Because you have to express what's in your heart and you have to begin to feel a witness in what I'm saying because this is where you get fed. This is where you express worship. This is where you begin to understand everything that God has for you. So here, here's where the understanding begins. Don't limit God. Don't limit God in your life. When you come to church or you go into worship, have an open mind. Get past the routine. Have an open heart. And realize that your prayer life or your relationship with God matters. What would have happened? What would have happened if Cornelius had not been praying? If Cornelius had not been praying, he would not have had a visitation by an angel. Think about that. That within itself sounds weird to us today. What would you do if you knelt down in prayer and an angel came to you? Would you stay there and listen? Or would you say, no, 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 not me. Not me. Some of you would get scared and run off, right? Some of you would embrace it. Some of you would receive it. Some of you would listen. But there's a witness of God's spirit in anything God does. I am not saying that you're going to have a visit by an angel. What I am going to tell you is that God still speaks. And God will lead you. And you'll feel an impression or he'll speak to your heart. God still speaks. Our God has a mouth. He has ears to hear. Your God is alive. Why would you even come to church if you didn't believe in God? You're here because your curiosity has gotten the best of you, or you're here because you're hungry. But you're here because you believe. 
We all come to God's house because we believe, but you come here because we want more. I want more of his presence. I need more of his joy. I need more of his spirit. How many of you need more and want more of him? This thing is about growth, maturing, and developing, and not limiting yourself to a routine. God was never meant to be put into a box. God was never, be, was never meant to be constrained. God was meant to be experienced. And it's not weird when it's God. Don't worry. If somebody acts weird, they were weird before God saved them. <laughs> That's what I found out throughout the years. <laughs> somebody, before they did a dance for Jesus, they were doing that crazy dance on a dance floor someplace else. They are crazy before. Somebody told me that one time. I do know that the bigger question is, what would have happened if Peter wasn't praying? Think about that. Cornelius was a good man. But good people need to pray too. Because prayer is an action of trust and submission to a higher authority. And in Christianity, despite Whoever has fallen from grace, whatever preachers and televangelists have messed it up for a lot of the good ones, there are still some good churches out there. Victoria has a lot of them. There are still some good preachers out there. There are still people that are good people, but there are people that are praying as well, that are hearing from God. And there are people like you that have a hunger for God, that want more. And the way we make this connection is that there has to be a Peter and there has to be a Cornelius. And there has to be a network and there has to be a connection. It's not coincidence that God brings you and lets you meet people in your life. Because most of the time, I, I'm going to say all the time, life moves at the speed of relationships. And doors are open and paths are made. But depending on their stance and the spirituality of one of those individuals, that person can lead you closer to God or that person either can draw you away from God. Be careful how you pick your friends and who you hang around with because they will either hold you back or they will prepare you to become everything God's called you to be. It matters. It matters. And God told Cornelius, call for an apostle. That's what Peter was, an apostle. Now, if you don't understand the concept, the apostles were nothing more. They used to be the disciples of Jesus. Jesus had 12. Judas failed. He was replaced by someone else. And he sent them out because they were trained by Jesus himself. So they became overseers. And God has a government. If the kingdom of God is a government and it's a city whose builder and maker is God, then there is authority and a government structure within that system. And he placed authority figures. Number one, Jesus is the highest authority. We have a military. I don't know if you know this, but angels, warring angels and messaging angels and all those, there are angels there as servants. But there are people that he's placed in the earth they have governmental offices, and we call them pastors. We call them apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, pastors. It says that in the scriptures in Galatians. 
In the book of Galatians, Paul writes about this thing. And when you understand that, these 12 men were sent out and they had a special anointing. And they told, they were told by Jesus, now go out, heal the sick. And write this down. If you're taking notes, write this down. Mark chapter 16, verse 16. It says this. This is Mark's interpretation of the Great Commission. Remember, every gospel writer, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all have an interpretation of the Great Commission. The Great Commission was given after the resurrection of Jesus. He was with them for 40 days and 40 nights. Luke, you'll find it in the 24th chapter of Luke. He tells them exactly what to do. You'll find it in the 18th chapter of Matthew. Jesus gives the Great Commission, the last commandment. And in Mark chapter 16, verse 16, he says, These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out demons, and they shall speak with new tongues. Jesus said this. Because God wanted to do something in the life of every believer, but he had to have someone in their life, in his stead, to influence and to release his authority. It happened in the life of Jesus. When you look at the life of Jesus, he was the only one before his death, burial, and resurrection that he was the only one that had the power and authority, and he displayed it by proving that the kingdom of God has come. And that kingdom was ruling over every demonic force. This is why you saw people delivered from demonic spirits. And I will tell you, and I'm not trying to spook you, but I have to tell you, God still delivers people from spirits today. you got to believe that God is that real. There are some people that deal with depression and they think it needs to be solved with, you listen, with medication. Sometimes it does. But if a medication doesn't fix it, it may be a spirit. So maybe you have to pray and you'll find out what's what. Thank God for doctors and thank God for medication. I think they're God sent. But some things can be prayed for. And in some cases, God will heal. Based on the authority and the relationship you have with the great physician. Now watch this. When you look at people that God had more for, it wasn't just good people like Cornelius. It was also people that already had a relationship with God that were limited in their knowledge. Could it be possible that today there are many people that have never heard of or been taught about the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Could it be? Is it possible? That there are people that have never heard about this and even think it's strange to even hear about it. Well, I will be on, I'll be honest with you. I thought it was weird. I, wanted, I didn't want to have anything to do with it. My brother told me about it because it happened to him. I'm like, good for you, dude. Happy for you. Do what you got to do. I don't have nothing to do with that. Until someone asked me, can I show you in the Bible? I'm like, wow, I never even knew like tongues was in the Bible that many times. It's all throughout the Bible. And all throughout the Bible, people experienced it. I'm like, wow. Could it be possible? I had never even heard about it. My wife had never even heard about it. 
I was raised Catholic for 19 years of my life. I'm just testifying. My wife was raised Baptist all her life. We didn't even know anything. I was raised the son of a nightclub owner. I didn't know a thing. I knew how to dance, so that's all I knew how to do. <laughs> but here's what I'm going to tell you. It's in the Bible. Let me read you a scripture. Acts chapter 19, verse 1, it says this. And while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. Everyone say they were believers. And he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. They said, no. They replied, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Wow. So, so let me ask you this question. Have you taught your children? Let's not go to our friends and coworkers and, you know, business partners and whoever else that we're, let's just keep it a little bit closer into our field and our responsibility. Have we taught it to our family and fully explained it? Or have we treated it as if it's for you, great. If it's not, great. Because no one receives it if that's their attitude. Have we had enough knowledge to help understand the importance of it that it gives you power and grace to overcome sin and against every opposition and evil force in this world? It, could it be possible that there are people even in our own household that haven't even understood it or learned or heard? We have to ask ourselves hard questions to get better results and better answers. If you can learn how to ask yourself the hard questions, you can get better results. And so this is what Paul did. Then he began to ask them another question. So the disciples that were under John, because it proves it right here, they said they never even heard of the Holy Spirit. And then, then what baptism did you experience? He asked, they replied, the baptism of John, John the Baptist. Paul said John's baptism called for repentance from sin. But John himself told the people to believe in one who would come later, meaning Jesus. And as soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. That was a quick conversion. <laughs> My God, no wonder they built a small, I mean, a great big church in small towns, right? Not for us, man. We tell people about Jesus. They're like, okay, if that's true, then why does David Blaine do that? You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Why does Chris Angel walk on water? None of you watch YouTube channels and watch these guys do crazy things that you think is real, but it's nothing more than videography, nothing more than just props. We think that it's like a demon or something else. It's Hollywood, folks. Anybody can do magic. Because the culture that we're in right now, there's a lot of other things there, though, with witchcraft and things that are happening in the culture we're living in. They're hungry for spirituality, but there's options. And the church is losing the battle because all we are doing is debating doctrine. This generation doesn't want to hear the word. They want to see the word. I'm going to say it again. We're losing the generation that we have right now 
because we are trying to teach everything, but we're not giving the experience that goes with it. Religion and relationship. Training and teaching are two different things. You can teach something and explain it, but then you can act it out and put people under your wing and let them come under your prayer life or relationship with you and feel the anointing in your life. And that should happen in every family. Every father and every mother should have an anointing in their life. And they should carry it over and pray and teach it to their children, to their grandchildren, and whoever else is in their household. What we need right now in this hour, if we're going to save, I'm getting off on a rabbit trail, but I feel like I need to save this if you're a father if you're a mother or even if you're a son or a daughter what we need is not religion we need to experience the God of the Bible God is real God is powerful Jesus is alive he pours his spirit out still in this world church is more than a time and a place church is an experience where you can have a real experience with God and take it home and share it with your family. And so he commanded them, listen to this, and they were baptized. Then Paul laid his hands, because he's an apostle, because he was a governmental figure who oversaw, that understood, and God anointed him. That doesn't mean an apostle has to come into your life or someone of higher authority, but someone that has the experience. And then when Paul laid his hands on them, watch this, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began to what i don't like that word pastor bobby you said it too many times already <laughs> honey let's go he said it twice i'm out of here as soon as they heard this they were baptized in the name of the lord jesus then when paul laid his hands on them the spirit holy spirit came on them, and they spoke with other tongues and prophesied. And there were about 12 men in all, all 12 of them. Bam, 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 bam. I went to Harlingen, Texas not too long ago, and the pastor had been, he planted a church. And he said, Pastor, I, I need you to come because I've got 40 leaders, 40 leaders in this brand new church. And they're hungry, they're good people, but one thing, they don't understand the Holy Spirit baptism. They don't believe it's for today, and some don't even know it, that they got it or not, and they don't, they need, can you help us? So I went and did a workshop there, and I taught them from the Old Testament to the New, and explained it and what it was, and explained salvation versus born again, that there is a difference, and that there is significance in John chapter 3, go read it, John chapter 3. And that God has more. After the workshop, the next day, we opened the front. And every single one of them stepped up. And every single one of them got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And they all spoke with tongues. I didn't have to touch hardly any of them. Because we opened the space for God to move. Because we taught them correctly. Because they understood it. All of them experienced it. I'm fixing to really scare you right now. Raise your hand if you've experienced it too. <laughs> Don't get up and run now. You're surrounded. I saw some hands of people that have it that didn't raise their hand. They're, they're, they're what we call sleepers. You know what a sleeper is? 
I'll tell you later. <laughs> Point number two, God always uses spirit-filled people to help people get filled. God always uses spirit-filled people to see people get filled with the spirit. You can't give out something you don't have. Can I ask you a question for those of you who have experienced this in your life? Isn't it the best thing you've ever had in your life? Isn't it the best experience you've ever had in your prayer life? Has it totally revolutionized you? Has it totally just changed your world? Have you seen God answer prayer? There was one lady who came up to me last night and said that she experienced it. And when she began to pray consistently in it, she saw God opening up doors that even prayers that she didn't know how to pray. You see, that's what the spirit of God does. The spirit of God, why tongues? I'll explain it to you very quickly right here. James chapter 3 says, no man has been able to tame the tongue. No man. If a man is able to tame the tongue, he's able to bridle the whole body. He said the tongue is like the bit in a horse's mouth. That big beast is controlled with the little bit in the mouth. He said the tongue is like the rudder on the bottom of the ship in their day. The big waves come and the wind blows, but yet that little rudder controls the entire ship. He said that's how the tongue is and how powerful it is. It can set a course of nature on fire. That's like gossip, backbiting, lies. What the tongue can get us into a lot of trouble. But also the scripture says life and death is in the power of the tongue. Jesus said the words that I speak, they are Spirit, they are life. Let me give you the secret to the spirit moving in your life. When you speak, you're releasing your human spirit or the Holy Spirit based on your faith and your words. When Jesus opened up his mouth, that's why Lazarus came out of the grave. He released resurrection. He confessed it beforehand and said, I am the resurrection. And all that happened was when he said Lazarus come forth and that authority and that anointing, he released it. He didn't call grandma. He didn't call Mary. He didn't call Joseph. He didn't call anybody. He didn't call his posse, his crew. Let's all agree right now. Let's do no, no, no. People of authority that have it, they can release the word and they're commanding things based on the authority that they've been given. <laughs> Having this experience will revolutionize your life once you understand it in its fullness. People that are filled with the Spirit, God uses to help other people receive it. It is a fact. That's why when you come into church, let me tell you how we do things here. Are you ready? I'm going to give you a little secret, a little behind-the-scenes secret. Are you ready? We have the music up to a certain level in this church. We dim the lights for a reason. We set an atmosphere for you to feel free to worship and express yourself. The reason why the music up is up to a certain level because we try to create a cone of silence around every person. That if you talk to God or pray in the spirit, the person next to you can't hear you. And if it's too loud, we've been very accommodating and offer earplugs. As you walk in, there is a holder of earplugs. There is a basket there that says, please take one at your convenience. 
So if it's too loud, put earplugs in. And we don't mean that to be sarcastic. We mean that to be respectful because there's a reason why we do what we do. But we're never going to judge anybody for coming to church and getting what they need. And we're going to linger along what we feel God telling us to do because this is a moment not to be performing. We are here to experience God, and we want you to experience God. And the more time you get to spend with him, you can take it home with you, and you can see your family and your life change. If you're living a good life, I'm going to tell you, it can always be better. Can you put a cap on God? Let me ask you that question. You think God is limited? Then your life isn't limited. And your life can't put a cap. Nobody can put a cap on you. And can you imagine how many opportunities we're missing because we're not praying? Paul, I mean, I'm telling you, Peter, what if he wasn't praying, got the vision, and had took the time for God to explain to him that vision which is very hard to understand for some people when you hear about, you know, this is the vision, by the way. Peter was in prayer hungry, and he prays. A vision comes down. Unclean and common animals are dropped down in front of him with the blanket from four corners, dropped down right in front of him. And the Spirit of God says, eat, Peter. Take those animals and eat them. And Peter said, Lord, I have never put anything into my mouth that was common and unclean. And God said, don't call anything common and unclean that I have cleansed. He didn't understand what was going on. He said, behold, there are people at the door asking for you. Go. They're here for you. I've sent them. What he was fixing to do was go to a house that was considered unclean and common. And that was symbolic for Peter to eat He was representation of the body of Christ. Watch this now. He was the representative of the body of Christ under a new covenant. And when he, God said, take it, eat it, he was saying, you're fixing to bring the Gentiles into the body. He said, go to the door. Now you go preach to them. I'm fixing to save them, in other words. Then he said, now I know God is no respect to person. Seeing he had poured the spirit out also, and to the Gentiles, he made two one body. That was the fulfillment of that vision. Now, the Israel of God is comprised of both Jew and Gentile. We're now one in Christ Jesus. But it all begins with prayer. We all have the spirit of Christ. But remember, religion will limit Christ based on doctrine or peer pressure or the fact that somebody tells you it's not for you, or a lack of hunger. We have it so good in America. We have it so good right now. We prosper. Our fridges are full. I mean, gas prices are up, but you probably still have a full tank of gas. I'm just telling you, we have options. Why do we need God in certain areas of our life? But there are some that aren't moved and motivated by things. There are others that are motivated by a relationship, and there are others that are hungry for God, and there are others that want to see God in other people's lives. And when you have a hunger for God, and you have a reason for him to be in your life, I promise you, it's not about yourself. It's about your loved ones. There's nothing greater than going to heaven except taking your family with you to heaven. 
And I'm here to tell you that it is God's will for everyone to have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's for everyone. All of my kids, since they were little, have received this experience because we didn't keep it in a closet. We brought it out and we shared it and we explained it. And when they built their faith and saw what it did to daddy, I don't deserve to be up here. I shouldn't be up here. But I'm here because something changed my life. And there was another person who taught me it, another person who had it. And when I received it, it's because somebody already had it. How many people are waiting for you? How many people are waiting for you to break out of religious barriers, break out of the fear of people, break out of opinions, and God wants to bring you out of an old mindset and a restricted mindset and remove the limits and begin to use you, Peter. God wants to use you. God always calls for somebody and uses them. Romans chapter 10 verse 13 says, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be, shall be saved. That's where it begins. How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? Watch this. Questions, hard questions. How shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? You see the, cl the climax there? Somebody has to accept the calling. Somebody has to get the invitation. Somebody has to have the gospel. But listen to what it says here. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tithings of good things. You know what one of the armor, the armor of the spirit, the armor of God is? It's the shoes. How many of you believe that you have access to the armor of God? One of the pieces of those armor is the gospel of peace, shod, covered in your path and your purpose. And everywhere you go, there it is with you. There it is with you. You see, hungry people say, you know what? I'm not going to knock it. I want to find out for myself whether or not this is true. I'm going to challenge you. Go back to our YouTube channel. Listen to these scriptures. Do more reading around them and pray about it and ask yourself, is there really more? Are, have we been limiting God in our life? Does God really have more for us? That's what you have to ask yourself. So we have taught throughout the years that the gospel that Jesus preached was the kingdom has come. That the kingdom of God was there to deliver. The way into the kingdom was through the cross. 
So Jesus came, all he taught was the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is likened unto this. The kingdom of God is likened unto that. The kingdom of God was the good news, that God would put his kingdom in people. You see, they were waiting for Jesus to come back and restore the kingdom to Israel. To return back to the glory days of King David and, and Solomon, where they ruled over every nation around them. And that's what they wanted. But they kept losing the kingdom. They kept losing the ark of God. Therefore, God, I believe when you read the scripture, he said, no more. No more will you lose what I have to give you. I'm not going to set my kingdom up and put it in the hands of men. I'm going to set my kingdom up and put it in the heart of men. There's where you can't lose it. And I'll never leave you, and I'll never forsake you, and I'll write my laws in your heart, cause you to obey them, and I will be your God, and you shall be my people. And therefore, your greatest enemy is not the Romans. Your greatest enemy is yourself. And God poured his spirit out and caused us to walk and follow after him. But here's where the confusing part comes to most people when they hear tongues. James said, no man can tame the tongue, as I mentioned earlier. Because the truth is, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So your tongue is that not nobody's been able to control the tongue. It's that nobody's been able to control the heart. Only God can control the heart. And what was out of control, when you fully surrender to God out of repentance, not partially give him your heart, but wholly give him all of your heart, you have now relinquished control to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit gives you a sign of control by speaking things out of that area. And that thing you had no control of is now under the control of the Holy Spirit. And full surrender. And as you begin to worship and your words... And you praise him and talk to him, the spirit inside of you will begin to give you a language and you hear it. It's a spirit interceding for you. And as you open your mouth and release it, there's the connection. Now you created out of your belly, as Jesus said, he that believes on me, as the scripture teaches, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. I'm going to say it again. God is still pouring out his spirit all over the world in china and europe in america and canada in mexico in hawaii lord send me to hawaii there are a lot of people that need saving there i just feel it lord in alaska you can run but you can't hide because by the time it's time for Jesus to come back, I promise you, revival will hit the earth and it's going to hit your family and it's going to run into, you're going to run into somebody. You, you think it's a coincidence that the people you've been running into Lao, lately in your life have this experience that maybe you're curious enough to come and, and, and taste and see that the Lord is good. You think it's coincidence that things happen the way they do. There's no coincidences with God. God is after hungry hearts and people are hungry for him. Come on, stand to your feet. Here's what I want to teach you and show you right now. Here's a saying I want you to remember. My pastors taught this to me, and they said, if you don't have it in the congregation, it's because you haven't taught it. So here's what I want you to remember this. You have not because you teach not. You don't have it because you haven't taught it. Last night, we taught people about this experience. If you were here last night, we're going to show a demonstration. Five got baptized in the Holy Spirit this morning in our first service. 
We had the same crowd of people, packed houses. Church is over 600 right now. We get to our next location. The next church is about 30,000 square feet. It's still too small. But we'll double services, and we'll build a bigger auditorium after that. But God, and I'm not bragging. I'm just simply saying we know for us to be at this location, for being here for 15 years, God had us building the internal structure and system of this church for years to set us up for the future. And we waited on God all these years. But the one thing he had us focus on was how to walk in the spirit, understand it, become relative, teach it, and multiply it and produce fruit after our own kind. Riverside Church's assignment is to see lives changed and people grow. Families, our number one value is for families. Daddy, God wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit to make you a better father. Businessman, businesswoman, God wants to give you the Holy Spirit so you can learn and hear from the CEO, Jesus himself, the wisest man that ever walked on this earth, and give you the ideas to raise you up as a king and prosper in your life. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.